0: Good morning, everybody, both here and in Houston and other places. I want to begin by um, expressing my gratitude to my teacher, Galen Roshi, for the confidence that she's placed in me. It really means a lot to me. So those of us here have walked roads and trails and paths through the woods, through the pasture, and... um, We're walking actual paths. The paths have guideposts guideposts of a sort, mowed grass and um, dry ground in places, good overhead clearance, that's a guidepost, and the sight of somebody walking ahead of us or the sound of somebody walking behind us guiding us on the path pink flagging hanging from a branch, an opening, a view, all leading us on. The theme of this retreat is, how will you know the path as you walk? And this is a line that comes from a poem by one of our Zen ancestors, Shirto, from the 8th century in China. And this poem is just rich with imagery and meaning to describe the nature of reality. The lines that stand out to me are, Anything, if you don't,
1: Carol, yes. There's Ooh. a lot of noise near the microphone that's kind of obscuring some of your words. If and if the microphone could be a bit closer,
0: that would help us hear. Okay, we're working on it. Okay, let's try this. The lines from the poem are, If you don't understand the way right before you, how will you know the path as you walk? Progress is not a matter of far or near, but if you're confused, mountains and rivers block your path. Is this sounding better in Houston? In Zoom land? Yes,
1: it's great. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, thank you. Okay. Okay. Great. Right. Yesterday, I spoke about uh, each moment making our path and maintaining awareness to those moments is how our how we know our path. And I gave you a little mini story about um, how I was astonished by this otherworldly beauty on the highway on my way to the Zen center, to the retreat center in the morning when the sun came up and illuminated the fog. And that immersion in natural phenomena was so profound to me. And I realized that I was anticipating immersion into nature when I got to the retreat center at the end of my path. I thought my destination and here I was, along what I thought was my path, having this deep sense of connection to the beauty to the grandeur, to the astonishing nature of nature along the highway. And so my path and my destination disappeared. It was all path, and so seeing these kinds of moments helps us to realize that the that every moment, whether it is um, astonishingly beautiful, consciously or not, is part of the path. So knowing that, knowing, the, um, knowing each moment is the path. And today I wanted to talk about finding our way to freedom from suffering, which is also essential to knowing the path as we walk. So these are guideposts of another sort. The earliest teachings of the Buddha were about the Eightfold Path. Um, These were included in his teachings of the Four Noble Truths, which are that there is suffering, and that there's a cause to suffering, that there's a way to alleviate suffering, to alleviate suffering, and that the way to alleviate suffering is through the Eightfold Path. So this Eightfold Path gives us guideposts to, so to speak, to knowing the path as we walk. Um, life is very complicated, so the Eightfold Path is not a script, but it's a way to navigate through this um, dynamic, sometimes confusing, complicated world. I'd like to illustrate the Eightfold Path uh, with moments from our retreat. The first, generally the first factor given in the Eightfold Path is right view. And this is keeping an understanding of reality foremost in as you go through your path, through your life. And reality is always three things. It's non-self, it's impermanent, and it's dissatisfactory. So to talk about non-self... This retreat is made up of all of you that showed up each moment. It's made up of the people in Houston who are watching now um, and um, all the people who are not in Houston who are watching now. And it is also made up of Galen Roshi, who who has put together our menu. She put so much effort into this retreat, even though she's not here physically. The menu... She designed the schedule. She trained Royce and Vicki and me. So even though she's not here physically, her presence is palpable in each moment. So she's here. And knowing that that is true, we can also say that the ones who trained her are here. Her teachers. All the way back. <clears throat> Another unexpected moment. (laughs) All the way back to the time of the Buddha, here. And all the people who are important to you, have affected your lives, are here. So that's a lot of people. And even though we're only 14 people here, we're having a huge retreat. (laughs) So this is a a demonstration of non-self. This thing that we... Kali retreat is made up of everything. And the second mark of existence is impermanence, that things are always changing. The schedule is always changing. (laughs) And um, this is like the frost that was on the grass that we walked through this morning. Each time we, each angle we walked, it appeared differently and it was already changing into another form. By the end of the walk, it was different. Always changing. And the third mark of existence is dissatisfactoriness. This is how we know that something exists. Everything has a little bit of dissatisfactoriness and it can be uh, a lot causing suffering or just a kind of a whiff of wishing things were other than what they were. And um, an example for me was that yesterday, just before the weather changed, there were so many birds in the trees. I don't know if you heard them. I think that the the bad weather was kind of pushing them forward. And they landed here at the retreat center, and it was a cacophony of species. And hearing that, sitting in here, was wonderful, but I wished the doors were open so we could hear them not through the glass. So everything that exists, even if it's a, a, a great pleasure, has a little bit of a wish it were something else. Some things are not great pleasures, and they're just suffering but I'm not saying that things have this rottenness at their core because it, there's no core. It's relational. It's, it's that um, our relationship with things, and w- it's all relationship. Uh, it, this is interconnection is that it's all relationships. So we have the standard relationships we have with our friends, and we have relationships with things we don't even know because of interconnection. So, um, the suffering or the dissatisfaction is um, through the relationship that we have with things. And the good thing is that we can be aware of our relationships and we can change our relationships. Oh, I want to go back and say, as a demonstration of the relationship nature of suffering, if somebody doesn't care about birds, they might not have even known they were in the trees and not have the feeling that there could be something else otherwise. You know, It's because my relationship with birds is that I want to see them and hear them and be around them, and I want more birds. Right? So that was, that was the conditions in my life that created a little bit of that whiff of dissatisfaction. So going back to the choices that we make, um, this is really good news because we can make choices that um, allow us to follow the Buddhist path. So we've talked about, um, oh, right intention. Um, Right intention is, um, we talked about right view and right intention. I don't think I've been calling these out. Right speech is another factor on the Eightfold Path. What is right speech in a silent retreat? We're actually speaking a lot, communicating a lot, aren't we? Um, To me, the sound of us chanting in this room, which has beautiful harmonics, just is right speech. It's wonderful. But sometimes it's, it's really hard to know what right speech is. What's too much speech? What's too little speech causing confusion or suffering? It changes all the time. The, you know, it's a dynamic situation. Finding your way between the suffering that can be caused by not speaking, or not speaking well, and speaking way too much Another form of suffering is the middle way, like in between. Finding the right speech in between is the middle way. Right action, Um, the fourth factor. I hope that you all can kind of see these in your life, you know, as I'm speaking them. Um, I'm giving just a few examples of right action. Um, yesterday, oh, and a right action is taking care of, through our actions, taking care of the suffering of beings. And um, there were some people that were gardening yesterday, and they found a snake under a tree. And their response was to cover up the snake. And it was hibernating, you know, it's not able to react much, I imagine, because so, it's cold here. So they covered up the snake so that it could be safe, and then they warned somebody, don't, don't weed there because there's a snake. And I thought, that, that really feels like right action to care, take care of that snake at that time. Another example was that yesterday during our service, I felt that somebody was struggling to do the complete full bows you know, when we go all the way to the ground, and then to come back up. So I wanted to demonstrate that we don't necessarily have to do full bows, just a really intentional half bow is just as important. And so I began doing half bows. And I noticed the whole room around me started doing half bows. (laughs) So good thing some people were paying attention, but... um, (laughs) The, the, the intention was to give somebody relief if they needed it, and I, it was kind of a funny off, offshoot of that action. Whether it was right action, I don't know. Right livelihood, another factor, um, this is gaining your livelihood. Ga- doing your business in a way that um, allows the alleviation of suffering. Some businesses cause suffering. So I'll leave you to decide if that's the the thing that your business is, is involved in. But also to ask, did your livelihood make it possible for you to come to this retreat or other retreats? Right effort, the sixth factor. This is the energetic will. It takes effort to continue to conform to a schedule, doesn't it? It's really, um, uh, sometimes not a natural thing that you want to do. It's a training, and so it takes the right amount of effort to come and do a thing like this, or anything. Again, it's a, a middle way between not enough effort and way too much strictness. Um, focus on forms rather than people might be the cause of suffering. It's a, it's a finding of a right way between little, too little effort and too much. And... The next one I'll talk about is right concentration, which is usually the the last one. This is a kind of a one-pointed focus that we are developing when we meditate. Um, It's keeping the attention on something, like the breath, no matter what distractions may come up. And uh, so it's different from mindfulness in that um, if you're practicing mindfulness, you may um, notice... Various things like sounds and warmth and so forth, but um, concentration would be just picking one of those and letting everything else slide away. So back to mindfulness, right mindfulness, um, that's what I, I began talking about the awareness of moments in your pa- along your path, the ones that really hit you as something exceptional and remind you that That's just a series of exceptional moments, and you've noticed one of those. Those moments are your path. And this is right mindfulness. So I think about all the moments that I've experienced in this retreat, as um, some of them will really stand out with me, Like this morning, seeing the evening star standing on the deck with Daniel and and seeing a band of light, like a rainbow from um, warm orange muted rainbow to like yellows, to greens, to blue, 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 to really dark sky. And that pulsating star right there, the planet Venus, just so vivid in the clear air and thinking, this is what the Buddha saw. That's beautiful and thinking of um, pouring water for a friend. Lots of moments. And I wonder if you all can uh, you know, say something that struck you about this particular retreat that's a moment that kind of crystallized your awareness. Royce. Uh,
1: this morning's walk uh, it was about 28 degrees, <laughs> and we walked through the meadow. Field here, and it was perfectly windless, and it made uh, it made it very crisp, but tolerable. And it, it the stillness—I guess the stillness
0: of the air—helped me. Yeah, Royce was saying that walking through the meadow this morning, it was 28 degrees, and so still and crisp, and that was just very vivid for him.
1: I was struck also by the morning walk as we were just going on as you said the person in front of you and then hearing the sound of the person behind you and I just had this thought of like humans have been doing this for hundreds of thousands of years and I just felt this connection with every piece of humanity that had been doing the same activity for so long feeling the things that they felt that I felt that I saw, that I heard, that really struck me. I liked the way the sun struck the tallest branches.
0: Boston said, if you didn't hear, she liked the way that the sun was striking the tallest branches.
1: Um, I've been camping back in my car, I put on a hatchback and I can sleep back there, and um, I camp all the time, but I never camp outside. So I got to see the moon roll across the sky and wake up to drown. I'm like, oh, it's over there now. I just think I've never really seen
0: that. Christine was saying that uh, as a car camper this time, she was able to see the moon crossing the sky in a way that she hadn't really seen before. Daniel.
1: I had a moment uh, when we were washing dishes, uh, and I was holding the uh, bowls and the spoons, and, uh, and I find washing dishes really fun and fulfilling for some reason. But I thought uh, you know there was there was a, a sense of clarity and really deep gratitude to think of how many um, people have held these bowls and these spoons and have been nourished. These are tools of nourishment. And just thinking how, how wonderful it was to be part of um, this whole line of experience, how I'm, I'm sort of in care of these tools. And it was really, really honorable <laughs> to do that.
0: Did you all hear that? Okay, so um, Daniel was saying that as he washed dishes, which is an activity he enjoys, that he was holding bowls and spoons and thinking about so many people having held those before him and feeling happy to be in that lineage of people holding those bowls and spoons. Did I get it? Yeah. Joe?
1: As we were walking, every time we walked, I've always greeted the cows as we go by. And this morning, watching the cows all look up and watch us, a couple of moms with some smaller cows, and I kept my eyes on the cows, and I watched a few of them run towards us, and I just felt this moment of, I don't know, mutual love and respect, acknowledgement of one another. And I, I couldn't stop sort of laughing, thinking, I wonder think about us walking in circles around this giant meadow it was a beautiful moment and then on the back side there's a neighbor there's a dog barking and as he barked as we all walked by I tried to just sort of send out loving kindness to say we're not gonna hurt you we would never ever hurt you and such a great honor when he stopped barking for a few moments that was pretty magical Yeah, no. When we leave the Zendo in the evening at the end of the day, you know, we'll see the stars. There's too much light pollution in the city to see them, but it's just, I, I always have to stop for a minute when I leave in the evening, because it, that's my moment.
0: Yeah, the stars have been really, really bright. Matthew. Uh.
1: I mean, it was also coming to meditation last night. Uh, there was like a patchwork of clouds moving in front of the moon, and I just looked up and it was surprising, I think, because we don't see that so often in the city. And the contrast was so distinct, like the moon was lighting up the edges of the cloud pieces and then the stars were also visible, in the dark sky and just the it such a surprising and beautiful sight.
0: Mm-hmm. Matthew was saying he saw the clouds lit up by the moon, a patchwork of clouds, in a way that was really astonishing on the way to a meditation. And the stars also were so bright. So now you all have these moments, too. I want to close by thanking all of you again for your confidence and having me be part of this retreat and my gratitude to my co-retreatants Vicky and, and Gyozan, Royce cannot be overstated very thankful and um, I just find myself very happy to be part of your path at this moment happy we are all part of each other's path Thank you.